1: Welcome to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast with me, your host, Emily Rose, where we take a subversive look at all the celebrity gossip you want and some you never knew you needed. We'll take a deep dive into the hidden meanings of what's really going on in the world of pop culture, because here we contain multitudes and read between the lines. Join me. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast. I'm your host, Emily Rose. How are you guys? I mean, I ask and I genuinely want to know, and I wish there was a way that you could respond in real time, (laughs) but I mean, you know, send me vibes, send me a courier pigeon DM me after the episode, like how's everyone doing? This is a Patreon unlock because I think it's a fantastic episode. If I do say so myself, but I'm also traveling this week. So by the time you hear this, I will be on a plane heading back from Coachella. So yeah, babies first Coachella at the ripe age of 33. <laughs> Just going to dust off my dancing shoes after two years of barely socializing. So, you know, I'm excited. And if any of you guys are going, like, let me know. Or I'm kind of an all or nothing person with partying. I- I'm either like wanting to be in bed, Skin moisturized by 9 30, or we've opened up Pandora's box, and I just want to keep dancing until I can't dance anymore. So I'm going to finally get to tap into that. So I have lots of amazing guests lined up in the next couple of weeks. Just to name a few, I have Kelly Williams from Beyond the Blinds. I have Dolma Atland, who's a celebrity brand expert. You might know her from TikTok. I have Maya Wade from Myochondrial Membrane uh, account on TikTok. As for today's episode, there's two types of Patreon episodes we do. We do one every every week. Some are deep dives like this. And then some are just us getting into a silly, goofy mood, talking about some Personal trials and tribulations that are just just between us friends, <laughs> not really meant for the general public. So, a quick note about the content of today's episode. Obviously, you know from the title, it's about Scooter Braun. So, Sam and I are going to be getting into it. At the very end, we will be addressing big feud with Taylor. And I just want to say that I'm not debating whether I think what Scooter did was wrong or not. I think it was wrong. I'm debating whether I think the punishment matches the crime. So whether Taylor's backlash matched his actions, just something to keep in mind based on some feedback we got from originally posting this on the Patreon. Let's get into it. Hit me with a five-star review if you've been liking what you've heard so far. The link to subscribe to the Patreon is in the episode description. It's $5 a month. I mean, or you could just listen for free. There's a free episode every week. I'm here for all journeys here. I'm just happy you're here. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. I found a quantum
2: leap MLM coach, and I need to talk about it with you. <laughs> like business coaching has like, you know how there's like so many like wellness business coaching. Well, there's also quantum timeline leaping coaches.
1: I can't. Okay. I'll watch it. I just have okay. a lot of, I have a lot of thoughts that I'm embarrassed about, I will... no, no, no. We need to talk about it because <laughs> I'm not saying I disbelieve the multiverse. Text reads when you notice slight differences in your timeline and start wondering if you successfully leaped. Hashtag quantum jumping, hashtag 5D, hashtag timeline jump. Um, I would like you to go first. Wait, hit the comments. Hit the comments. Oh, the comments. (laughs) (laughs) Half or more of the joy of TikTok is the comment section. I just watched a TikTok that was like, um, it was like, what does my husband think of my best friend? And the guy was like, they were like wearing identical outfits, and he was like dragging your foot across the floor, and they were like falling over each other, laughing. I was like running to the comments, and and it did not disappoint. I'm like everyone is like united in the comments, and it's beautiful. Yeah, um, pe- I I also love like a comment section roasting, but these are all supporters
2: in the comment section, so um, like people are just posting supportive comments. Like, I honestly don't feel I'm in the same body. It's so strange. And the coach says, yeah, your physical appearance can change for sure. My hair is so much longer than it's
1: ever been. I I saw one Um, by coach a few weeks or a few months ago, a quantum leaping coach who was saying that every time she quantum leaps, her like Apple ID doesn't recognize her face, like her face ID and like her passport scan doesn't work anymore. She has to like redo it. and she's like it's not plastic surgery like I just actually like my face fully changes certain I have this comment when I met my husband he was Jewish and Greek dot 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 now he's Venezuelan (laughs) the coach commented below this person talking about her Venezuelan husband oh my god such a change Venezuelan food though drool emoji (laughs) You really update for updated it upgraded from your Jewish and Greek husband. <laughs> to your now transformed
2: Venezuelan husband. Time is standing still. I've noticed twice that it was a certain time and then 20 minutes later it's still the same time. Coach comments. So interesting. <laughs> okay, Emily. Like Austin and I started talking about it. We were just like, man, let's go to sleep tonight and we'll quantum jump to a timeline where like, we're a little better looking and like our jobs pay a little bit more, <laughs> like why? Okay, let's talk about it. Like, what do you Let's think? talk about it. Let's talk about it. Like I sort of believe in the multiverse, right? That there's like all these different timelines that are coexisting somehow through a time-space continuum where they're all slightly different, but why would the coach be in this timeline? Like, why would this coach be here on TikTok when the world's falling apart, climate change wars, etc.? cetera?
1: Well, I mean, but it's like, I don't know necessarily that this is the worst timeline because it's like, okay, are we any better? Like, are the middle ages sounds not great. You know, like the 1950s sounds not great. I, I would rather be in this timeline than any other previous timeline, especially as a woman. You know, so even but doesn't with- timeline mean
2: like that's like past in this timeline. Like, we're, I thought we were talking
1: alternate realities here, oh, not time travel, like a utopian society. Well, that's then we get into the debate of like, is this another reality's hell or is this another reality's heaven? Probably not heaven, but like, baby, you know. Um, Probably I not. I mean, okay, I, I, I. Okay, go ahead. I know Jamie's a simulation head. <laughs>
2: I she get, believes
1: that this, I get uh, hives thinking about all this stuff. Um, and I actually really wish that, um, uh, okay. Austin is Sam's husband basically, and he's a truther for a lot of things. And I would really actually love his thoughts on this. I wish he was on the pod right now. Um, but like, I, I thought about asking him to
2: just chat with us for a second because, <laughs> He had yeah we were just laughing about this and just having a grand old time because oh we both watch Rick and Marty and love it and yeah it's all about like jumping into these other timelines where like your family is slightly different or you've like killed someone or whatever and you have okay. to live
1: with- I don't know I I mean even just the fact that our our eyes can only see Oh, God, <laughs> I'm not a physics expert, guys. I hate to tell you this. Like, our vi- we can only see a tiny fraction of, like, the actual visual spectrum or colors or whatever. Talk- you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, 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 absolutely. We, we can only, only see, perceive- like, 5% of, like, what is actually happening. We can only hear and smell a small percentage of what's going on. So I believe there's a lot of stuff that we're not aware of. And I'm open to a lot of it. <laughs> Well, your DMs are going to be packed with quantum uh, coaches now. But then again, I also want to say that I get repulsed by any sort of like white girl manifestation coach on TikTok. It's like, it's too close to who I am and who I'm trying to not be. You yeah.
0: Know?
1: Look,
2: what I believe in is uh, being psychic. I think we both are. I think you knew that 33 was going to be a great year for you intuitively and probably, you know, told by your ancestors and your dreams and such. And I think that they're pulling for you on the other side. Um, I don't personally believe that I could quantum leap to a timeline that's the same, but I have a slightly better setup for myself in that timeline. <laughs> let's let's shift gears and from roasting a fellow girl boss to celebrating you and the fact that you've actually quit your
1: job that you hated so much. Huge milestone! I quit my job. Uh so I don't know. Like, I, okay. Like for those of you who like follow me on Instagram, you might've been in my story, but my life got very much upended two years ago. I had to like move across the country all of a sudden, join the dead mom club, like not like the best vibes, quickly find a place to live, a new job, everything while kind of like keeping an eye on my family. It was just keeping it fun and fresh. So I had to just find something immediately. And I was like, I'll you know, refine this plan later on. And my job that I found has been crushing my little spirit, also not really paying the bills. So it's not worth it in any way. And I quit. And a huge part of that safety net is you guys. I am so great. Oh my God. I'm going to cry. I'm so great. Go ahead. Cry. I'm just really grateful to you guys. Like I'm just grateful. Oh my God anyone is interested in like what we have to say and like wants to like support this dream and it's just don't think that I could have hit more of a rock bottom than I did in 2021 and now it's this is all happening and it's thankful people wanting to be involved and they're like-minded people they're amazing funny hilarious people that dm us and have the best conversations make the best feedback like everything so I'm just Yeah, maybe this is my grateful moment.
2: (laughs) Hell yeah. I mean, there is a lot to be grateful for. And, you know, in addition to all these amazing blessings, I also want to shout out to our antidepressants. We are um, a Wellbutrin baddie and a Lexapro baddie. And we are Alexa
1: Ho. (laughs) We're Alexa Ho and a Wellbutrin baddie.
2: (laughs) Yes. Like, thank you to them who have enabled us to have the energy to do what we do. (laughs)
1: Like, <laughs> honestly, thank God, thank God that my life was so terrible that I was finally like, maybe I should take the advice of like everyone my whole life telling me to
2: go on. Seriously, like we both literally thought we could like quantum leap coach our way out of it. And like, we've, you know, we've done everything. We've done every
1: alternative. Everything. Tinctures, meditation, exercise, um, acupuncture, acupuncture cupping, massage- energy Energy healing healing. Uh, yoga distance distance energy healing
2: (laughs) (laughs) consulting psychics consulting um tarot experts astrologists um like what expert have we not consulted like everything but an
1: exorcism basically (laughs) like (laughs) honestly Yeah. Everything but doing the like the like white girl ayahuasca journey. Um well we've done our own versions of that many times. <laughs> yeah, we've we've <laughs> we've we've DIY'd that with our own drugs. Um yeah. so yeah, no, but yeah, not in like a Ceremony, no, 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 not actually. Way, but like, I just mean we've gotten zooted we've explored as the kids like Alex <laughs> as we we've dabbled in the dark arts. um So yeah, we did we we did it all, and, uh, and here we are. <laughs> turns out pharmaceuticals are super chill and like keep this whole thing running. <laughs> yes, amen. I mean, now let's sharply. <laughs> now let's talk about Scooter Braun. <laughs> Well, in a really natural segue. <laughs> Speaking of gratitude. <laughs> I, I did not know how to steer that ship. Oh my God. Yeah. Thanks for coming on that little journey with us, you guys. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Let's uh, <laughs> let's make a super natural segue. If we had a sponsor, now would be the time for a sponsor.
2: Yeah. Let's take a quick break and then get back with Scooter Rod.
1: <laughs> okay. So let's get today's topic. So (laughs) we've been on this whole journey, like Justin Bieber truly sent us on a journey through space and time, um, where we had to talk about cults and religions, um, because he is such a man of religion, but like of different kind of like weirdly, um, exploitative culty ones and Scooter Braun, who also seems to be quite, uh, (laughs) an exploitative man but we'll get into that. So Scooter Braun is his manager and he is a very complex figure with a lot to say um about him. So that's what we're going to be getting into today. Samantha, take it away. Um
2: so I had to do a little bit of digging on his past. I was like how do you create a Scooter Braun? So his how do you real name create is- a Scooter Braun? yeah where does a scooter brawn type come what from? what is a scooter brawn how what is, is a sco- scooter? Brawn? how is a scooter brawn and yeah exactly so Why? his real name is scott samuel brawn and he was born to two hungarian immigrants in queens his grandparents survived the holocaust and he has four siblings uh, one of his brothers adam brawn is also a very successful businessman and he has a million followers on instagram um his his website is kind of cheesy. There's a story like in his bio that goes, Adam began working summers at hedge funds when he was 16 years old, sprinting down the path to a successful Wall Street career. But while traveling abroad as a college student, he met a young boy begging on the streets of India, who, when asked what he wanted most in the world, simply answered, a pencil. This small request became the inspiration for Pencils of Promise. The organization Braun would leave Bain and company years later to start with just $25. Using his unique for a purpose approach, the organization has now raised more than $75 million to address global education. He wrote a book called The Promise of a Pencil, How an Ordinary Person Can Create Extraordinary Change.
1: I'm surprised this wasn't a, like a 90s movie. <laughs> this, sounds like, this sounds like a 90s white savior movie. Yeah. Like some feel good, like. <laughs> and it he... would be called the promise of a pencil and like jennifer aniston would be involved at some point and like
2: <laughs> yeah it's it's Sandra bullock in that blonde wig like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a blind side um yeah it's it's such a corny little story his little pencil story that you just know he beats to death at every single like speaking gig he has but anyway not well, to hate too very... much
1: no i mean i'm not no i'm not hate. like whatever i'm I, hating I... i'm hating i'm not saying you are no, actually I am because I'm so disenfranchised with um, like the nonprofit industrial complex, but that's not what this is about. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'll let you continue about uh, Scooter Braun, his, uh, his origin story. Um, yeah. So his family
2: grew up in Cos Cobb, a neighborhood in Greenwich, Connecticut. Um, the only thing I know about it is that's where Pete Campbell lived in the show Mad Men. Um, you know, I think Greenwich, Connecticut is like very, stuffy upper crust kind isn't, so
1: isn't all of connecticut stuffy upper crust if you're a listener yes. in connecticut and you know that this is like and you know otherwise let me know but my impression of connecticut is as like one big like business conference
2: yeah it's small it's rich it's like driving distance to new york um he, yeah but I, what i don't get is how his parents how they made such a massive social jump like socioeconomic jump quantum leap. A quantum leap, if you will. Like how did they go from being poor immigrants to having two other kids worth tens
1: of millions of dollars? Like so I will i will say that like it's interesting. As soon as you said like his grandparents were Holocaust survivors, um, there is a whole like pathology and a mentality that gets passed down to children of survivor like of survivors of the Holocaust. And like there's a lot of like interesting research and literature on it. But basically they're extremely, extremely driven in terms of career. And emotionally, there's like a whole lot that gets kind of like messed up. Like they tend to not really um, be able to like express emotions um, because they're raised by people who were not allowed to express their emotions. And also were told over and over and over from the time that they were little, like you basically need to make up for all the people that weren't able to like be here. You need to like be like 10 times as successful and like grateful that you're here and like make the most of it. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, it's a common immigrant story, but it's sort of like um, intensified by that.
2: Yeah. And I think being a part of the um, Jewish New York city community probably helps them a lot in terms of connections and just being part of a tight knit community, you know, where he gets, cause I'm like, how does a 16 year old get
1: an internship on
2: wall street? You know, like you well, yeah. have to have some kind of in for that.
1: Well, and I don't like, whatever, this is not, I'm not going to, um, I'm going to end this tangent, but like, I know one Holocaust survivor who like, he he's 97 now. And like, he has like 16 grandkids and he paid for every single one of their colleges in full. And like, he did this, you know, from being like, you know, a poor immigrant who started working in a grocery store. So there's just, I think there's just something about that sort of like survivor mentality. That's like hard for us who've like grown up in relative comfort to like understand.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so he did go to emory university in atlanta he played basketball there but dropped out in his second year to start working for jermaine jermaine dupree at his label so so deaf um he met him through his gig as a club promoter around atlanta which is also how he met usher sierra Lil john outcast and Ludacris. um scooter was arranging parties for britney spears shack and sink
1: and what one a resume day- already i know
2: I know. And so one day Jermaine Dupri went to one of Scooter's parties with Janet Jackson, who he was dating at the time and told Scooter, you're never going to get to be living in mansions by throwing parties. Why don't you come to my label and be my head of marketing? Like that is a social climber's dream. That is very like lucky, but I bet he had been hustling for that for a long time. Yeah. It's Um, a combination of
1: hustle and being in the right place at the right time and luck.
2: Yeah, but he was, however, eventually fired um, and to like survive during that time, he did all kinds of hustling. Like one time he present, uh, pretended to be a reporter for a college newspaper and called up Pontiac and said he was doing a story on the company's marketing strategy. He got a list of names of the executives and just cold called them and lined up a multi million dollar endorsement deal for ludicrous. So that made him some money. And then in 2007, he set up his management company and he had at that time only two unknown clients. But luckily, one of them, Asher Roth, wrote a song called I Love College that was a big I one love hit one. <laughs>
1: And that ended last night was kind of crazy or something like that.
2: Yeah. I like wanted to like Google it as a result of this. Maybe I will when we're done. Have you,
1: have you not heard it? Do you have, I have, but I do do not not get waterboarded with it in 2012.
2: Yeah. just not since 2012 or whatever. Um, so that ended up saving their asses and paying their bills for a while. And, um, shortly after that, a couple of years later
1: in 2012, he found Bieber on YouTube. Yeah. So it was kind of clear from the beginning that Scooter was always going for kind of like mogul life. Like he's the type of person, I mean, yeah, a lot of it's luck. Some of it's like privilege he was born into. Like he just, yeah, it's, I mean, he wouldn't stop and still isn't going to stop until he's like a true, true, like, um, I don't know, multi-hyphenate mogul. So then he went on, he, he now has many, many ventures. Um, they include schoolboy records, Shiba Publishing, Silent Labs. Like he just, he has his like hands in like many pots. Um, in 2013, Time named Braun amongst its hundred most influential people. And in the story, um, the co-founder of DreamWorks Animation wrote, I'm pretty sh- confident he'll be influencing people for generations to come. So it seems like he had an eye for talent and other people who had that eye saw that in him. Um, so when it comes to choosing which clients to sign, um, he told Forbes Braun, Scooter Braun told Forbes in 2016, that he picks artists who are determined to make a name for themselves. So like the scrappiness of Jay Beebs. <laughs> um, he like saw whatever he saw in him, you know, in that grainy YouTube video sitting on the steps. Um, he also had a client, uh, one of his clients was Kanye West. So about, that uh, about Kanye, he said. I felt his passion. I think it's that mentality of I will not take no for an answer that you look for in people to find the things that are going to be successful. So until very recently, um, until he was divorced, um, very recently he was mo- married to Yael Cohen Braun, um, the founder and CEO of Fuck Cancer Foundation, kind of like a from this like wealthy South South African family, and they have three kids together. So. Basically, one of Braun's best strategies has been scouting for talent online and then guiding young clients on the path to fame and fortune. So that's what he did when he discovered Justin Bieber. Um, He was his first big client. He signed later on. He signed Carly Rae Jepsen, Ariana Grande. But we're going to we're going to get into that later.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot.
1: but basically it's something that like I think you just you just have to be born with to see that eye for future talent like how many kids were uploading like videos of them playing guitar on YouTube you know Um, and that have like decent voices Scooter was like this guy has it and you know star power is like intangible but I thought it was
2: kind of interesting how yes star power is part of it and like obviously he saw that in Justin Bieber but like how he names the thing that's most important to him and his clients as that like ruthlessness that like I won't take no for an answer I'm so driven I'm so committed I'm going to make this happen for myself no matter what it takes like I feel like that is something he sees in himself and that he looks for like in his clients too you know
1: yeah yeah it's not just like vocal cords it's like it's not just vocal cords or magnetism. It's like something else. It's like that. Like I'll I'll do anything to like make this work.
0: The yeah, hunger, grit, hunger,
1: grit, and yeah. hunger. Rise and grind, girl boss. That too. We love to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, except not really. But we'll <laughs> we'll talk about his shadiness later. So we're going into um some of his famous clients and his often complex relationship with them. So Justin Bieber is um likely, I mean, it's his most famous client and that I think most people associate Scooter with Justin Bieber. A recurring theme is that his other clients hate how
2: he prioritizes Justin above all else. Like Justin's the bread and butter. All the resources at the end of the day are going to go to Justin and other people can feel like they're in his shadow.
1: Yeah, he kind of runs his empire of like artists, kind of like a crazy soccer coach dad, who's like drilling them all, like getting them all to like practice at 6 a.m. But there's like obviously the star and like you know, clearly the favorite, <laughs> like yeah, but like he's Ruth, favorite ruthless kid. favorite kid, but like he's ruthless with all his kids, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a theme we're gonna see come up over and over, is that he he works his artists to the bone, like he pushes and pushes them. When Scooter was managing Justin in his early days it was said that he actually uh, interfered with Justin's uh, relationship with Selena Gomez. This is all alleged. Everything we're saying is alleged. And that he had this sort of like quasi parental role with Bieber and uh, was very enmeshed in like nearly all aspects of his life. And so this insider revealed that Um, this actually pissed off Taylor Swift, who was appalled by the way that he would kind of like insert himself in Justin Bieber's like personal life and his relationship with Selena Gomez. So keep that in mind, keep that in mind for later, um, that he's there with Justin Bieber. He's meddling in his relationships. Uh, and then here's Taylor Swift watching her friend get messed around by both Jay Beavs and Scooter Braun. So make note of that there's like videos of Taylor Swift at this time. Like,
2: you know, she'll be with Selena and then Selena will walk up to Justin at an show and like hug and kiss him. And Taylor Swift will like make like a gagging, like, yeah. like stick her tongue out. And she's like, she openly is like, oh, my friend has a bad boyfriend and I don't like him. But I wondered what this blind meant that said she didn't like how Scooter was interfering in his relationship with Selena. Like if she hates Justin, was Scooter, like, forcing them to stay together, pushing them together, just telling Selena, like, oh, forgive him for whatever, like, abuse? And, like, I was, I'm just, like, trying to
1: finish well, that thought. Like, what does it mean? We obviously can't know why Taylor Swift like why that blind existed why taylor swift was pissed but i just i imagine that if you are a very protective friend which we know taylor swift is a protective friend and then you your best friend is in this really tumultuous relationship but they also have this like parent figure who's then also meddling it in it and making it even more complicated i imagine you'd be pissed at both of them like all, all all parties involved that are aggravating like your friend and making their life like worse yeah so another very famous client of Scooter Braun is Ariana Grande. So they have a pretty long history. Um, Ariana Grande signed with Braun in 2013, soon after she, start- she started to like take off in her career. Um, but then there was all these kind of rumors that basically Scooter was like overstepping her boundaries and her personal life, um, which is kind of like the same as what we kept hearing, um, like like it's the same rumors that we kept hearing about Justin Bieber's career and like the role that Scooter Braun had in Justin Bieber's life. Um, but Justin Bieber hasn't really had any sort of like, he, he, does, he hasn't had any boundaries with people like that in his past. Um, and it sounds like he still doesn't. But Ariana Grande got pissed and in 2016, she fired him. Um, and she said like, she then, seven months later, rehired him. Um, Scooter Braun blamed it on Grande's like boyfriend at the time. Um, and he said his quote was when ship boyfriends leave, she starts to see the light on some stuff. And one day I got a phone call um, without naming the boyfriend. So he said, I went over there. We had a very honest conversation um, where it made me a better manager. Number one, it allowed me to know that I could be fired. I've never been fired before. Um, and like kind of put a positive spin on the whole experience. It's unclear whether they're cool today or if they're having some kind of beef we'll talk about that later but yeah um, there's there's rumors that about them being distant but we'll talk about that later um, one interesting fact about his
2: career that I found when I was googling is that in 2018 he teamed up with Marvel Studios chairman David Mazel to create Mythos Studios which is their own movie studio created focused on creating comic book movies and franchises Um, they currently have three movies in development and one of them has Justin Bieber slated to be the star like as a comic book movie hero which I'm very interested
1: to see if that I cannot imagine him (laughs) trying to act like but that's the type of shit that's the type of shit that like people that either are a mogul or like wannabe will do they're like we're going to compete with Marvel we're going to be the new Marvel like we're going to take like Marvel movies and like blow them out of the water and like have today's like music stars you never saw being superheroes like acting in it you know it's like it I don't know. They, they, they have like the ambition and the money to just throw it at whatever, whatever projects they dream up.
2: Yeah. Like Elon
1: Musk shit.
2: (laughs) Yeah. He, he has like talked in articles. People have like criticized his management style as being like too much about the perfumes and too much about the movies and like side projects and stuff. And he's just like, look, that's where the money's made today. Like in the music industry, like album sales are just not a thing anymore. So,
1: yeah. I mean, you're not making money from streaming, so you kind of have to sell your perfume or whatever. Yeah. Um. So then fast forward to 2021. So there's this huge scooter profile in variety magazine. So the piece featured quotes from like many of his high profile clients so this includes like jay balvin justin bieber demi lovato they all had like great things to say um but ariana grande was not in it which is kind of like she's after justin bieber i would say his most high profile client um and so that was what made people like wonder if she was distancing herself from him but
2: yeah and it would make sense from a pr standpoint after the taylor swift fight to just kind of distance herself from him because her and Taylor Swift are peers. Like there's no way that they don't know each other and like work together frequently at award um, shows and stuff. Like, you know.
1: Yeah. I've often thought about whether Ariana Grande, like what Ariana Grande and Taylor Swift's relationship is <laughs> because they just are such, you know, they are in the same category. They're in like the top five, you know, pop girlies of today. Um, I don't think they have like a friendship necessarily, but like Ariana Grande's cordial with everyone like she's not known for like going off on twitter rants at anyone um but this whole article was published after scooter Braun and taylor swift's big fallout which which trust me we will be getting into but like yeah so a lot of people wonder if it was because of that and you know who knows what's going on behind the scenes but publicly i remember years ago she used to post i used to follow arna grande's like instagram and she would post like on her stories like her call logs with scooter and it was like 18 calls to scooter that day and and posted like glowing like things about him and i mean it just sounds like he kind of makes himself a family member of everyone that he manages um but it doesn't seem to be that way today um so that variety article is very very glowing but there was then a business insider feature that was not so glowing so In this, there some of the details from this article were pretty explosive. Um, one of them was about how in December 2018, um, Kanye West called Scooter Braun, who was like his on-again, off again manager. Um, Kanye needed help closing a deal that would sell a percentage of Yeezy, um, which obviously we now know is like this billion-dollar empire. Um, and it would sell it to a third party with manufacturing capabilities in China um and so Kanye Kanye Yay was having second thoughts um and Scooter told him to not go through with it if you're not comfortable with it um Kanye ended up signing anyway and then tore up the contract and blamed cooter, Scooter Scooter oh <laughs> I knew he would do a <laughs> blamed Scooter for trying to trick him so Scooter then suggested they should not work together anymore. And there's like conflicting reports about whether or not Scooter wanted a stake in Yeezy or not. And that's why he was interfering. Uh, make with that what you will. I don't think either side is super credible on their word at this point. Um, so more details from the Business Insider article. So along the way, he's gone to great lengths to basically like distinguish himself as a good guy he's very 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 concerned with his public image and this is like kind of one of his like main pillars of his whole like shtick basically so he's like very interested in portraying himself as this like family-oriented philanthropist this big moral code like steering artists out of like their dark times and like um but like they're all the rumors and all the kind of like conflicting reports say otherwise um that he's just this like ruthless businessman he's like an egomaniac he pushes and pushes artists um and you know the people that came forth who were saying this didn't want their names used obviously um because scooter he's so powerful that like i mean i'm sure he could have people blacklisted like someone like that is not someone you want to well, maybe not blacklisted, but like, if is, is someone like that is not someone that you want to really go on public record and slander, unless you're like Taylor Swift and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, this quote is kind of like, I, I feel like it would ap- apply to like any sort of like hustle and grind dudes at any level. Um, but they said he speaks as if he's perpetually delivering a Ted talk, which like, that's maybe just like a dude, <laughs> a dude in business thing. Um, but Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the least like salacious detail. I think that's just like assumed with any guy who's like, yeah. Into hustle culture.
2: They're just saying he seems rehearsed and he does like long riffs and long pauses and then includes just like little moments of vulnerability. And they like, I guess the prevailing impression in his industry is that he doesn't seem authentic, which fair enough. He's a music manager, you know,
1: forget everything
2: Um, you know about superheroes. (laughs) picture
1: picture this
2: <laughs> justin fucking
1: bieber but he can fly <laughs> <laughs> what could um, be better than that what does the world need more <laughs> i rest my case
0: <laughs>
1: yeah
2: so basically he has like extensive connections within the media within news outlets and he pressed to get harvey levin at tmz to squash the video of justin bieber saying n-word but it leaked anyway. And after that came a lot of bad publicity for Justin. Um, Yeah. So at the time, Justin's close friend was Lil Twist and he came forward recently to say that Scooter pressured him to cover for Justin's drug use. Um, He's quoted as saying, If they would have put weed charges on him in his early career, it would have been bad on him. So I got a call one day saying, twist, you really love this kid? And I said, yes. They said, cool. If you love him, then you could take the heat for him because you can come off a little weed charge. You're associated with a little way and you're a rapper. Like it's not going to matter. Basically, he goes on to say his team had their knee metaphorically on my neck for years just so they could keep one side clean. I took that heat. He did everything he could to protect Justin and he did his job, but he did it wrong. He hurt other people to get things done and it wasn't right. Um, yeah, no shit. It's obviously not right. And it's also
1: racist. Like, It's like you're black. Everyone just expects you to be like, you know, doing drugs and like you're a rapper or like whatever.
2: Yeah, like Justin's image has to be quote unquote clean, but like, don't worry about yours, your image. And I'm not saying that the, uh, twist is like, a really nice guy or he he has like his own like issues and charges and stuff but but it's also
1: ironic because it's like now Justin Bieber's biggest recent hit is like I get my weed in California yeah exactly things so it's done like- changed but it's like as soon as they've changed it's like oh now it's okay but like when it wasn't ac- accepted by society we have to find some pariah like give him a bit of money and like hush him up I don't know I mean there's there's a lot of um he said she said in all of the Scooter Braun controversy, but I believe this happened, very
2: much. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, and there was like some like sort of sideline rumors throughout the pieces I read about Scooter Braun that kind of say like, okay, he does manage a lot of black artists, but he doesn't necessarily hire black people to work at his companies, and he likes to brag about having two black brothers. But what that means is that when he was already like moved out and away at university, his parents tep- temporarily hosted two basketball players from Mozambique who had been like scammed to the U S by promises of a scholarship. And so in the New Yorker, they were kind of subtly dragging scooter for like sort of using black people in his life as kind of like props for his image, but not being like as genuine as he tries to seem.
1: And that's like, that's what, what's always sickened me about the rap industry is just that I've always pictured it as just this, like, it's like predominantly like black artists, and then like white dudes at the top con- calling the shots, and then getting them to like perpetuate stereotypes and like dangling contracts over them. You know, it's just like yeah, it, yeah. it makes, it's it makes me like yeah, it 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 really like makes my stomach turn. Like I hate, I I've hated like I think it's changing now, but there's always been this like really acceptable discourse of being like, oh, rap is bad. I hate rap. Like it promotes all these like bad things, and I'm like. Every genre talks about bad, doing bad stuff, and it's so easy to point the figure and like at rap and also it like ignore like who is calling the shots in this,
2: yeah, who's in charge of marketing? and um
1: yeah, marketing, yeah. Marketing and and which singles get pushed and what the content is?
2: yeah, who's producing? Who's like the music videos and the image and stuff. And anyway, yeah it's disturbing and professional sports is the same way too like the people signing the checks are are white and then the the people who make the game or the music what it is are are not taking the lion's share of the profits and
1: yeah yeah so a lot all of the rumors- exploiting yeah yeah so all the rumors about Scooter like seem to be that he he's that guy apparently um he was managed managing Madison Beer um and then after like uh, photos, naked photos of her leaked, he apparently lost interest um, and said he needed to preserve his focus on Justin. So this is this another rumor that keeps coming up about him is that he's all there for the artist when things are good. And when, as soon as they're not, he jumps ship. But for someone like Justin Bieber, he's kind of like a permanent A-lister. So he doesn't really need to jump ship. He can just kind of be part of his like redemption arc. He was also managing Todrick Hall, who... <laughs> has not had super great news come out about him recently. Um, but Hall wasn't happy with the lack of like attention that his career was getting. The The article goes on to detail more allegations of him being like just super obsessed with his image, um, like styling himself as his like mental health coach, like helping these poor, like lost puppy dogs, like Demi Lovato and Justin Bieber and like giving them these like, um, and Jay Balvin and giving them these like, sappy you know docu-series um and apparently calls himself a camp counselor to stars and says he tries to dress non-threatening um but that's like basically every billionaire type of dude they all wear t-shirts you know they all dress like he
2: he said he likes to wear mickey mouse t-shirts so that people think he's like not threatening he's like he really wants that like yeah it's creepy um but he's like an adult who's hanging out with like you know much younger
1: and that's people and side and like, note, that's why we haven't brought back the guillotine yet is because all the billionaires are not dressed like Marie Antoinette, but they're just wearing like they have bad haircuts and just wearing like normal Costco shirts. <laughs> now, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, it's so funny because after Sam and I did our like after we did our three part Kaler. Series, we were like, okay, we're done with Taylor Swift, like, basically forever on this podcast. Like, we talked about her so much. But then, like, all roads lead back to Taylor for us. Sorry, I know some of you guys are not Taylor fans, and some of you have like graciously written and been like, I find like, I'm not a fan, but it's like interesting when you talk like, thank you. Um, but you cannot talk about the Scooter Braun of it all without talking about the Taylor Swift of it all. So, This is like the big explosive controversy of his career and will be like, I think no matter what else could possibly come out about him. And that is of course, like, I mean, even, I think even people that live under a rock are aware that like, there's this dispute with him buying her masters and her re-recording it in Taylor's version. So we're going to hear Taylor's version and Scooter's version. (laughs) um so it all started back in June 2019 so Scooter Braun purchased big machine machine records for 300 million dollars and this included most of Taylor Swift's back catalog and it's super complicated because like when this first came out I was like you know and I saw that Taylor Swift was pissed about it like I was not on her side one bit because I was like these things get sold and passed from hand to hand like all the time who cares? This is like insider stuff. Like your lawyer should be working this out. Like not you on Twitter. Um, but the whole reason, if we can just unravel this quickly is this guy, Scott Borchetta owned big machine for the years that Taylor was there and he owned it like, and she was signed to this, his record from like the start of her career. So back when she was like writing music on her bedroom floor to like becoming like the famous Taylor Swift, we know today. And so all of her music was under that record. He sold the label to Scooter, and Scooter is associated with Kanye West and Justin Bieber. And Taylor hates all three of them, <laughs> and now Scott Borchetta. So it's this huge issue for Taylor that uh, Scooter Braun owns all of her old masters and recordings. And like that, it's important because like if you own their masters and recordings, you make all the money from that. Like they need your permission to use it. the credits go to you the money goes to you for like any use of this music to write to make it sell it distribute it etc etc and taylor swift yeah i
2: mean not all the money obviously taylor still gets money from her stuff being licensed
1: but yeah but a portion like he's like portion, yeah he's like the landlord of her music yes exactly you know so After this whole sale was happening, Taylor did what Taylor does best, which is took to Tumblr and wrote, (laughs) wrote uh, instructions for her army to uh, kill Scooter Braun and bring them her, his head. Uh, (laughs) I mean, okay. Like it's not that dramatic, but like almost, she was so pissed and it's very long. So we're not going to read the whole thing, but we will read some choice quotes from this Sammy, Samantha. For years I asked, pleaded for a chance to own my work.
2: Instead, I was given an opportunity to sign back up to Big Machine Records and earn them back one album at a time. Um, I walked away because I knew once I signed that contract, Scott would sell the label selling me in my future. So a uh, fun fact, I found out about Scooter Braun's purchase as it was announced to the world. I have experienced incessant manipulative bullying at his hands for years. Like when Kim Kardashian orchestrated an illegally recorded snippet of a phone call to be leaked, and then Scooter got his two clients together to bully me online about it. The bullying she's referring to is a picture apparently where Justin said, "Taylor,
1: what up?" He was FaceTiming Scooter Braun and Kanye West and took a screenshot and then captured it, "What up, Taylor?" Or like it's like poking at her for sure, but bullying. I
2: don't know. Bullying
1: and manipulating me when I was at my lowest. Like it's class. It's this is classic Tay Tay. Um, And she says that when in Kanye's music
2: video, famous, where she has, she's represented in like a wax figure in bed naked with a bunch of other famous people, including Donald Trump and Kanye and Kim. And, um, you know, it was a weird art, artistic take on what it's like to be famous. Yeah. Um, You call it artistic fake uh, take. She calls it revenge porn. Yeah. She said a revenge porn music video, which strips my body naked. Like I understand why she's pissed
1: about that. Um, but
2: should she say revenge porn?
1: Uh... But, but but most importantly to that is the fact that Scooter was Kanye's manager when he came out with the famous video. Yeah. So it's not, it's like a one-two punch from both of them for her. Yeah, yeah. It was another strike against
2: Scooter. So she says she was not given a, a fair opportunity to buy um, and that her, you know, her enemy owns her musical legacy. So she calls it her worst case scenario, that he has no loyalty, never in my worst nightmares. Did I imagine the buyer would be Scooter? She says that Scott Borchetta knew how much she hated Scooter because she was crying whenever she brought his name
1: up. I've gone back and forth on this topic, but I do think it's like, there's so many shady business people. And if you don't have an ironclad contract for everything, you kind of have to expect the worst case scenario is going to happen. If you give up control of your property, especially if it's incredibly valuable.
2: Yeah. And like, I understand her emotions were running very high and she felt very like, Stripped and violated by this. She uses a lot of like, you know, rape associated language, in my opinion. And it, it is pretty inflammatory to me. I'm like, oh fuck, I don't know, Taylor. Um, she says, you know, he knew what he was doing. They both knew what they were doing, controlling a woman who didn't want to be associated with them in perpetuity. That means forever. Um, and then she signs it sad and grossed out, comma, heartbreak emoji, Taylor. So this was like a full-blown declaration of war. And she does another Tumblr post later that we will. Um, read but just wanted to say that you know some of the details in her post have been disputed but everyone agrees that the deal on the table was that taylor would have to stay at big machine for seven to ten years and many more albums before she would have the chance to own her music Um, it's unclear when that ownership would become legal she says she didn't want to be obligated to stay at big machine because she knew it was about to sell because her dad's on the board and this deal would have required she stay there under its new management and she had no idea who the new management was going to be and she was not given the opportunity to buy her master's from Big Machine outright without committing herself to spending more time at the label. So. Yeah,
1: I, I'm not saying like what happened wasn't shitty for her, but all you really hear about the back end of the music industry is that it's really shitty and like terrible <laughs> things happen and like people yeah. undercut each other. But yeah, I don't like the inflammatory language she used. Um, not like, I'm not normally into like policing, like women when they're mad and whatever, and being like, you shouldn't feel this way. But it's like the amount of like variations of like violated and and whatever. It's like, it's very, it's very intense considering like we have no idea how much of this stuff goes on throughout the careers of every big artist. And I can guarantee like it's happened to all of them, like something big with their music that they didn't want to happen or something they didn't realize was a loophole in a contract. Like there's predatory people who make up this, a lot of this industry who are waiting to like pounce on an opportunity. Absolutely. And
2: when I was doing my research for this, I found that there was like less than five artists in the history of the music industry have ever come to own their old masters. And it's like Jay-Z and the Eagles or something like it's not common. Um, and yeah, it was pretty intense because she, she begged her fans to intervene later on uh, in her next Tumblr post. But
1: like how many business deals are happening that people are upset about, but they're not taking to Tumblr to be like, I want millions of people to like murder this guy. So in November 2020 is when
2: Taylor tweets her update after a year and a bit. So she's been trying to get her master's back the entire time. She recaps that she tried to negotiate to buy them back from Scooter directly. Well, their teams were speaking. And she, but she wasn't down to sign a non-disclosure agreement, which would prevent her from talking negatively about him. And he wouldn't move forward in his negotiations without that. Like he wouldn't even open the books to her or her team to quote a price without the NDA. Like, and she said that her lawyer's Agreed that this is like unheard of, and she compares it to like a rapist trying to buy off their victim's silence, which (sighs) Taylor, um, why do you have to why do you have to take it to that place? So Shamrock Holdings bought them without Taylor's knowledge from Scooter, who obviously Scooter had to get them off his hands once Taylor had declared war over this and like was encouraging people online to come for him. And Shamrock tells Taylor that they were not allowed to give her a heads up as part of the deal with Scooter and that he will still get some profit from the licensing of her music for a few years. She replies that this is an absolute deal breaker for buying the masters back from Shamrock because she isn't down for Scooter to get a penny. She confirms she will be re-recording her entire back catalog to devalue the masters. Okay, look, I want Taylor to own her own music. I would like all artists, especially female artists, to own their own music. But if the one thing that was standing in her way from bidding and likely winning... Her own music back was an NDA, not, not to talk shit about Scooter. I can't help but think she's being hypocritical because we all know Taylor has probably crushed thousands of people under thousands of NDAs in her life. So Taylor well, couldn't
1: Taylor has a whole team of experts silencing dissidents constantly online. She's shut down, she's had blogs shut down, she's had things that are like lightly poking fun, like YouTube parody shut down. Like that's that is her that's her thing. But it's not just about revenge. Like a lot of what Taylor's done in her career is a combination of like revenge and like an incredible business opportunity. You know, it's like the reputation tour all over again. She's like, you tried to get me down. Well, I'm back for more and everything's going to be like snakes and like a whole, you know, like merch and like stadium tour about like me getting like vengeance on my enemies. Yeah. She reclaimed the snake.
2: What they- Maybe she was like, I can't sign this NDA because I plan on making like Many, many like pieces of art that will be calling you out by name. Like, under that NDA, she could still have themes in her music about being betrayed and about someone being shifty, like, you know,
1: but it's the principle of it. Like, yeah, she's like, I would rather like make this stand, not back down, not give you one cent, like, and go on this whole crusade that then is while kind of like this. Petty and like, in my opinion, slightly psychotic move. It's like, on the other hand, this brilliant business move that only she could pull off, where she has random ass albums like Red that came out in 2013, now number one, making her like all this, money, like being the talk of the town, and she's going to be like, the talk of the to town. What, what is this like the 1960s? But like, but but you know, and then she's going to have that with every re-release of every album. For- yeah, it's interesting, but I
2: saw a chart actually the other day that was like, how many streams Taylor gets. And it's actually still all her old stuff gets more streams than Taylor's version. So she's still splitting her income with another version of her own song. And I find it And it, streaming income is not that much. So whatever. But when I I just would not have made the same decision as Taylor. So like, I would have been like, okay, I have to have some Percentage on the back end goes to Scooter for X number of years, not forever. I don't think. If I just buy this back from Shamrock Holdings, who cares? Like, then you 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 don't have to re- do all that extra work. You can just focus on moving forward and move making new art. But like, I get that. Whatever. She was fulfilled artistically by re-recording. I've been enjoying the re-recordings, so it's cool. It's just not
1: what I would have done. But Whatever. everything, everything is symbolic to her. Like she already has more money than she can spend in one lifetime. And so it's like the best version of her carrying out something like this is the time where she like someone tried, like someone tried to sue her for, um, who had like grabbed her butt and like, uh, in a photo op and then tried to like sue her for like ruining his image. And she like countersued for $1 and spent five years fighting it. Like that's Taylor at her best, like not backing down, doing everything symbolically, like standing up for the little guy. And this is like a crazy (laughs) version of it where it's like, it's not even about like, oh now I'm splitting it and oh now people might stream Taylor's old version. It's about standing up and be like, I will not be silenced or bullied by these men, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah. Which is which is like fair enough. I mean, she's even if even if it's half and half streamed her, even if it's half and half with like old and new versions of her music being streamed, she's still now like getting this total renaissance and all these new fans from these re-releases.
2: Yeah, it ended up being a good career move. And and I would say Taylor Swift is certainly a better business person than Scooter Braun. Like Taylor's smarter. Taylor has better marketing ideas. Uh, I, I respect her very much and I want that to be clear. But let's talk about how some other celebrities reacted to this massive industry feud that like everyone commented on for a long time.
1: Okay, so yeah, a lot of celebrities had a lot to say. Um, The first one is Todrick Hall, and I don't know if you guys have been following the like Todrick Hall drama of like him being on Celebrity Big Brother, but a lot of things (laughs) were captured of him saying like horrific, unforgivable things, and like basically just being like a terrible person. Like, (laughs) like, like what? I don't know anything about that. Oh, he um Chris Kirkpatrick was on um the like guy from Insync and he said like it, to his face he's like if you screw this up you're going to like make your children ashamed of you and then he like later reiterated to someone else he's like yeah I said it and I'm not sorry. And like with Lamar Odom he was like, we need to stick together. Like we're both black. Like we can't throw each other under the bus. Like, and then, and then like later, like screwed him over um, Shanna Mokler, who is Travis Barker's ex-wife. She opened up to him and told him about the most like horrific thing that ever happened to her. She had a, a burglary in her house, like while she was there and like, had to confrontation with like the burglars and they like, they said something to her and on her way out Todrick like repeated that to her like it was like very clear like yeah did they yeah like it is crazy and so he had to like turn off all his social media comments but all the cast of Celebrity Big Brother who you know they've all had their like unflattering moments were all like you're the worst person we've ever met basically (laughs) oh my god and that's Taylor's bestie well uh, probably she's probably distanced herself from him since then. This happened like very this happened in the last couple months, like very yeah. recently. Yeah, um, she's like, Oh, you
2: can't be my like new best gay friend anymore. Actually, it's funny because she just posted a picture with Anthony
1: from Queer Eye like yesterday. She's found a new gay bestie. Um, yeah, I'm not that. Whatever. Like, not that it's like. But the only reason why I like looked into that was because I had um Lauren, the Zen Blonde, on my podcast, and on her podcast, she had actually interviewed Todrick Call's former assistant. And Todrick and this guy said that like Todrick tried to he threatened he knew that he was HIV positive. His the assistant was HIV positive, and like threatened him with that information to like release that information when he was doing things he didn't like, like. Just things that are like the seediest, most like unforgivable behavior. Oh my god. uh, Yeah. So I think he was Taylor Swift's bestie for some time. Uh, I'm going to say I probably don't think we'll be seeing too many photo ops with them. (laughs) So Um, so keep that in mind with this following quote that Todrick had to say at the time, sticking up for Taylor Swift, um, in relation to Scooter Braun, he is an evil person who's only concerned with his wealth and feeding his disgusting ego. I believe he is homophobic. And I know from his own mouth that he is not a Swift fan. Um, and he was at kind of the only one at the time to publicly allege that Scooter Braun was homophobic. Um, but yeah, so Take that with a grain of salt. Uh, <laughs> Justin Bieber, another person who has to be taken with a grain of salt, wrote a caption. Scooters had your back since the days you graciously let me open up, open up for you. Um, this was on Instagram. What were you trying to accomplish by posting that blog? Seems to me like it was to get sympathy. You always knew that in posting that your fans would go and bully Scooter. True. Um, I usually don't rebuttal th- <laughs> oh, oh, Justin, I usually don't rebuttal things like this, but when you try and deface someone I love's character, that's crossing the line. And he also went on to say that, like, the whole Taylor Swift talking about um, Scooter Braun bullying her, he's like, that was me posting that and me writing that caption. Scooter had nothing to do with it. That was just me FaceTiming him, which is true. Um, Haley Bieber commented on that post, Gentleman, ever the <laughs> loyal wife. Um, and Kendall. Kendall Jenner liked that post. So they're all that's where they stand on that in case you we're wondering. Um so then Scott Borchetta gets involved. And so he writes a Tumblr post of his own. <laughs> well, he wrote a t- he wrote a blog post, but like <laughs> it the, these things all may as well be like their Tumblr posts. Um he refuted many, many of the things that Taylor Swift said. So I won't get into all of them, but just like some of the quick quotes from that was, he said, as per her comments about her being in, cl- in tears or close to it, anytime my new partner, Scooter Braun's name was brought up, I certainly never experienced that. Was I aware of some prior issues between Taylor and Dustin Bieber? Yes. There were also times where Taylor knew that I was close to Scooter and that Scooter was also a very good source of information for upcoming album releases, tours, et cetera and I'd reach out to him for information on our behalf. Scooter has always been and will continue to be a supporter and honest custodian for Taylor and her music. So, you know, I I think that everyone involved Taylor, like, I don't think, I don't think Scooter Braun is a good guy. I don't, I don't think Scott, Scott Burchette is a good guy. And at the same time, I also think that everybody involved, including Taylor are known for like, kind of, inflammatory language and maybe like (laughs) getting heated and saying versions of their truth that are like a little like skewed version of reality
2: you know what I mean yeah this this is definitely a situation where there's like 10 sides and then there's the truth like we'll never know the full god's honest truth but obviously people came through this feeling like they got a raw deal mostly Taylor
1: (laughs) well and it's it's also the fact that like this was all pub so public because like,
2: oh yeah this I'm, was the this was the messiest thing that had happened related to the buying and selling of record labels ever
1: yeah yeah <laughs> via via tumblr um <laughs> so 2021 when 2021 came around um scooter actually talked about basically regretting the whole thing i mean <laughs> i'm sure everyone of course involved has regrets he's like please stop doxing my like new addresses like. <laughs> to kill me um but he said i regret it and it makes me sad that taylor had the reaction to the deal um all of what happened has been very confusing and not based on anything factual um i don't know what story she was told i asked for her to sit down with me several times but she refused i offered to sell her the catalog back and went under under nda but her team refused it all seems very unfortunate open communication is important and can lead to understanding she and I only briefly met three or four times in the past and all our interactions were really friendly and kind. I find her to be an incredibly talented artist and wish her nothing but the best. Um, Yeah. So allegedly at the time he was thinking of running for office, um, but the public was uh, not on his side. So he kind of pulled out of that and he's like still trying to kind of like rehab his uh, public image from this time.
2: Now, let's get into his ex-wife, Yael Cohen, on Instagram. She came out hard in support of Scooter um, with this sassy little quip. Girl, and they were, they were married at the time. Just Of course, yeah, they were married, yeah. Um, girl, who are you to talk about bullying? The world has watched you collect and drop friends like wilted flowers. My husband is anything but a bully. He's spent his life standing up for people and causes he believes in. Uh, Scooter was so excited to work and build with you. How embarrassing this temper tantrum is because you didn't get your own way. He believes in and supports you. I sincerely hope you can learn to love and believe in yourself the way my husband does. Um, Yeah. Wow. That was that. Yeah. She was fucking pissed. Um, One of the blinds that I've heard in my life that I will never, ever forget was from one month after this whole mess in July, 2019. And it reads, um, Yael Cohen made no new friends at Kamala Harris's fundraiser that Scooter hosted a few nights ago. She ordered every one of the guests not to talk about the A-list singer she and her husband are feuding with, Taylor Swift. However, the only time she was mentioned at all was by Yael, who referred to her as C U N T and D Y K-E. Yes, it was also the wife who suggested that Katy Perry get into the picture with the manager's other two clients, Ariana Grande and Demi Lovato and Kamala, um, she was intentionally trying to start something with that pick. and it upset Katie that she didn't get a picture alone with Kamala and she got into a shouting match with the wife and stormed out of the party. Uh, flash forward two years, they're now divorced, but I remember thinking that like, if uh, Yael Cohen is like screaming at a- an event like this, calling Taylor Swift gay in like homophobic terms, like, that that was very interesting for Scooter's wife to have these kind of personal, cruel, homophobic, hateful views about Taylor.
1: Yeah. I never forgot it. Yeah, and, like, there's been, there's been a few homophobic rumors in the rumor mill about Scooter Braun, and so for him to, like, be married at the time to someone who would say things like this, like, all right, checks out. I mean, I, I do think, like, it it all needs to be taken with a grain of salt, but like where there's smoke, there's fire. If you have a lot of rumors, ongoingly about the same thing, I think there's something there. Um, what are the homophobic rumors you heard? Well, just like well, okay, it was like Todrick Hall, but like it it was oh just, yeah yeah right right. It was Todrick Hall, but then it it just there was a couple articles where it was like sources close to whatever like alleged there's like you know he said homophobic things it's like but it's like it's the kind of like uh locker room talk that I just imagine is happening when it's a bunch of like rich white men in a boardroom all you know behind closed doors doing shady stuff saying shady stuff you know it's not absolutely I'm not not like Scooter Braun being homophobic like I'm like yeah all right (laughs) um so now Scooter and Yael are divorced, but while they were together, there was a lot of cheating rumors. So speak of another shocker, like <laughs> some uh, famous rich dude cheating with his wife. But interestingly enough, one of the uh, alleged people that he cheated with was Erica Jane of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, <laughs> who they both denied this. Um, and there there was uh, in November 2020, a friend of Dana Wilkie posted Instagram DMs from an anonymous source alleging, allegedly in honor of like Demois, claiming Scooter and Erica were hooking up, having previously met at a sex club in Los Angeles. Um, It's funny because when the Army
2: Hammer story broke, there was the exact same rumor that Erica Jane was having sex with Army and that they were in like a Dom sub relationship and that they had met in a sex club.
1: So it's also interesting because, like, as erica's like life was crumbling like she was posting constant like photos of her in lingerie like as it was coming out that like her whole life was built on the lives of like victims and orphans and widows that like her husband screwed over she was like posting photos of like her in lingerie and being like baboons come and like eat my pussy or like do you like did, did you- <laughs> yeah like i like to watch cartoons or I'm eating cereal while you eat my pussy. I forget what it was. But... There was something about yeah, and there was there was something like really like graphic and weird. Well, but like she buffoons, <laughs> <laughs> buffoons, maybe not bad <laughs> like it, it was weird. It was like weird stuff. And like she kept or, or she kept being like another day, like another day with my legs spread, like just stubborn. You're like, Erica, like <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I think is that going through what she went
2: through and losing millions and millions and millions of dollars. I think only sex work was going to get her through that time. Like with the, her lawyer fees and losing
1: everything. Like, Oh, um, you think those posts were her adverti- subtly advertising her as like a high-end sugar baby? Um, allegedly. Allegedly. Like it's just a thought I had
2: it's and you know, oh. she's been seen with a few older billionaires since. And uh, oh. I don't think they're with her for her
1: That's conversation. S- her <laughs> <laughs> wit. Um, that is so interesting because at the time, like, I don't know if you guys watch like Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, but like, this is like, whatever this whole huge scandal with like her and Tom Girardi or her like now ex-husband who like stole millions from like widows and orphans is like the but uh, like all of them were like, Erica, what the fuck? Like, this is the worst thing you could do for your public image is like while this is happening constantly posting like lingerie shots and constantly like i don't give a fuck um but maybe actually that's like smart (laughs) if it's from the like positioning yourself as a high-end sex worker like then that makes sense and is actually probably like yeah her best chance (laughs) at making those dollars yeah she's got a quite a lifestyle to support but anyway back anyhow so uh, yeah um i believe i believe that they were hooking up in my, my sure if it family. wasn't her it was 20 other hollywood girls so oh, no, amongst other people like yeah, I just yeah yeah
2: so just last year there were rumors that he may have impregnated one of his mistresses and that that's why he ended up filing for divorce um i have no doubt that yael is fucking pissed that he filed to divorce her after all of the years that she was like looking the other way letting him have his fun um and i want to analyze some of Taylor Swift's lyrics for mad women from folklore.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure like it's interesting because yeah, before we get into that, it's like I I'm sure a lot of couples in Hollywood have an arrangement where it's like, do what you want, but don't fucking embarrass me. You know? Mm-hmm. And I could totally see them having that type of thing. But he embarrassed her. Like you you have to keep it under t- tightly like under locks, which I don't understand how like it gets so messy and so public when there's like NDAs and they have these like huge mansions where you can like invite people over but anyhow
2: um so in this song I will just grab a few choice lyrics as we love to do um so this song is about how angry she is at Scooter and then drags the island by the end so she says stuff like what did you think I'd say to that does a scorpion sting when fighting back they strike to kill and you know I will and she absolutely does um and one of her weirder lyrics. What do you sing on your drive home? Do you see my face in the neighbor's lawn? Does she smile or does she mouth fuck you forever? So this is in reference to the fact that Big Machine Records is right next to Universal Records. And when she signed to Universal, they hung a huge billboard of her congratulating her for lover. So Scooter had to drive past that every day and see her face in his neighbor's lawn.
1: When these lyrics first came out, we hadn't seen them printed and we were incredibly traumatized thinking that she said, mouth fuck you. Like, <laughs> and we were like, we spent like days being like, what, why would she say that? <laughs> yeah. And like, what is mouth fucking someone forever? <laughs> yeah. We were like, what? Like we were just like deeply, deeply disturbed <laughs> and unsettled. And then it was like the lyric, and then it was like lyric genius, whatever printed. We we're like, oh, okay. Thank God. Mouth comma quote fuck you forever
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that still is an awkward part of the song that I don't really like but well anytime she swears we get like oh Taylor like
1: we get it's never
2: quite right but she she also says my cannons are all firing at your yacht and that's in reference to an Instagram picture of Carly Kloss and Scooter Braun on a yacht that we'll talk about in a minute um And then she says about Yael, women like hunting witches too, doing your dirtiest work for you. It's obvious that wanting me dead has really brought you two together. And then she closes it out saying about Scooter, we can presume. "Um, The master of spin has a couple side flings. Good wives always know she should be mad, should be scathing like me, but no one likes a mad woman. So like everyone, when this scandal erupted, all the headlines were like Taylor Penn scathing post to Scooter Brown. So or Scooter Braun. So she's just like, yeah, well, if Yael was, you know, a normal human woman, she would be mad too, but she's just th- a good wife.
1: I think that that line was directed at the time at both Yael and Kim Kardashian about like good wives, like standing by their men. And like, you should be pissed by all these crazy things your men are doing.
2: Absolutely. Kim Kardashian was definitely doing Kanye's dirtiest work for him with that um, recording coming out.
1: Yeah. And we're mad yeah we're huge fans of mad woman um but it's also yeah. terrifying like <laughs> I'm like I it, it's what convinced us at the time we were like Taylor could legitimately like murder someone in cold blood yeah absolutely like if 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 need if need be <laughs> um okay so firing at your yacht referring to this photo of Scooter Braun and his best friend Carly Kloss on a yacht brings us perfectly into the next tangled web of Scooter Braun's universe, which is the Carly Kloss of it all. So we have we had discussed this previously um on the episode, uh the Patreon episode we did with Madison from the Archers. Um, we need to talk about Kaylor part three. <laughs> um, And it's the lyrics from "It's Time to Go." So to go over very quickly, when the words of a sister come back in whispers, that proves she was not, in fact, what she seems—not a twin from your dreams. She's a crook who was caught. So this is obviously a Carly Claus reference, like "Not a twin from your dreams." I mean, she was her dream girl, and they look identical. Um, So why is she a crook, and what was she whispering about? So. Carly was on Scooter's side in the sale. Carly was also was and is a client like Scooter manages Carly. Um, So at the time of the sale, she was already beefing with Taylor about basically the fallout of like their friendship, relationship, all of that. Um, And Carly quickly, when all of this was going down with the Masters, liked and unliked a tweet that said, you sold your in quotes, your music and became filthy rich by doing so. It's not yours anymore. It's the record labels. If I sell my car to someone else and they won't let me drive it anymore, it's because that's how things work. And, end quote. There were also rumors about, there were a lot of rumors swirling around. So there were rumors about Carly's potential involvement in the sale. There were rumors about Carly selling out information about Taylor's scooter. Like there, it, is a messy web. So, Sam, would you like to continue on this? Well, I feel the
2: need to kind of stick up for Carly a bit because I'm a Carly apologist. Um, like, yes, there are some hard facts. When Carly got married in July 2019, Scooter was there for both ceremonies. She was also seen on the yacht that same month. And then they were at a lunch together in September of that year with yell and their other mutual friends who she's rumored to be swingers with like her and Josh are supposedly like swinger, bisexual swingers and some of the other couples that they swap with are this fashion designer called Misha Nonu and her husband. I love that. Um, them. Yeah, me too. Um, So yeah, Ivanka Trump was also at this lunch and there's like some rumors that that picture of that luncheon, like inspired Taylor's ladies lunching chapter from Evermore and um, that collection of songs
1: that she released. But Well, I'm not, Um, I'm not even criticizing Carly in this. Like, I, you know, if she was involved in the sale, I mean, there's, so was like Taylor Swift's dad who had a portion of like, you know, people said that like, he was part owner of big machine records. So he would have known in advance about this happening. Like there's so many like messy, like business details that are involved in this, but I, I would probably, if I was Carly, I would like it on like a tweet like that.
2: I mean, I I haven't even gotten to my defense of Carly yet, which is that she has not been seen with Scooter Braun since September 2019. And um, Carly signed with new management, uh, the Society Group, in September 2021, although she is still listed as a client on Scooter's website. It's unclear if that's old information or if she has some business ties to them, too, but it's not her main management anymore. Um, Now, getting into the involvement of the sale, so the Carlyle Group is a massive private equity firm with ties to the Kushner family. Carly is, of course, married to Josh Kushner. Um, it's unclear what his role was, if any, in the sale, um, but they played a role in funding Scooter's purchase of Big Machine. So then she posts an- a Taylor posts another open letter to social media where she wants to perform a medley of her old hits at the American Music Awards, but Scooter blocks this. Um, and she begged her followers to tell Scooter themselves how they feel about that. And she said she was especially asking for help from the Carlisle group. So she calls them out by name maybe because of her back end connections, but um, yeah, a deal was eventually made. Obviously the Carlisle group shit their pants when they saw that headline and got to a uh, agreement and she did end up doing her performance. And she wore that white shirt with the names
1: of like all her old labels on it in protest. I found this so deeply offensive, this performance. Cause she also brought like kids out. Didn't she? Was yeah. She, she, like... had, she, she had kids. seven or eight kids on stage. That had like the record, the like names of the records, but the way that her, the, uh font was printed on her shirt it was like prison graphics and it was like to symbolize that these albums were locked away and I'm like stop <laughs> make don't make any prison references ever like this is don't not- compare your albums to children who are in jail <laughs> to children or anyone that's in jail like the the like the way like just the way that she like plays into these and is like I am like violated like I'm enslaved it's like it's like saying I'm enslaved it's like you know. yeah well she she and in mad woman she talks about being um lynched it's like dear god I, exactly it's it's things like that that already that make me so on edge like t- talking about uh oh like for god's sakes a white woman in the year like 2021 talking about like this is like wrapping a noose around my neck this is me wearing my prison clothes i'm like fucking stop taylor like look around and read the fucking room like don't this. Sure. You, you're allowed to be mad, but like, don't bring, think about the bigger cultural context of these. When you say this, things like this. I totally agree. Um,
2: so just going to run through some of the rumors that have come up about Carly's involvement. So some people think maybe she was leaking info about Taylor to scooter, possibly about her net worth upcoming career moves, or potentially if she had a plan to come out as sexually fluid during her lover era And according to this theory, if Taylor did theoretically come out, then maybe the public would guess that her and Carly had been together and that this would harm Carly's brand as like a hetero married connected business model.
1: Oh, this was this. Sorry. This was another moment where homophobic rumors came up about Scooter where like he was like, this can't get out. Like was one of the rumors swirling around that, that they were, that they had been involved with each other romantically.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So. That thinking goes that Scooter, as Carly's manager, didn't want that to happen and therefore could have expedited this purchase to sort of stop that, redirect Taylor's energy, and also hopefully make Scooter and possibly the Kushners like richer, but not anticipating that Taylor would flip out and re record all her songs. And I just want to note an important detail that because Scooter flipped the sale of her masters he was not negatively impacted by her re-recording all her songs like he had already unloaded that so scooter there's rumors that he was like misleading the shamrock group being like oh taylor's never gonna do it she won't re-record them all and go to all that trouble like don't worry you should still buy them at this like high price but i don't know if anyone could have predicted that she'd re-record all her masters i mean she threatened it almost right away Like she was like liking tweets about like Kelly Clarkson was like, you should just re-record all your songs. And she was like, yeah, maybe I fucking will. Um, But anyway, I Uh, I mean, I just just will have to give my take on it, which is that intuitively, I have trouble believing that Carly did all this stuff to betray Taylor. I also couldn't find out when she signed with Scooter. Like maybe someone out there knows, but like, it was definitely pre 2017, but was it before she became friends with Taylor in 2013? Like, I don't know was it during their feud? I don't know, but he's not her main management anymore. And I just find it hard to believe that this was all just a ploy to distract from a celebrity coming out. Like, I think it's a compelling theory,
1: but I just don't personally believe it. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I think that like in, okay, so I've said this a lot, but I think that artists are getting screwed over all the time because like, the whole logistics of the way that like the rights of music gets like sold distributed it's like so complex it's it's beyond our understanding unless you're like in the inner workings of that industry but we do all know on a basic level things happen all the time that like fuck over artists and trap them like look at Kesha you know like who's who's been fighting for the rights to her music to get it out of like the hands of Dr. Luke for like years and years things like that who Um, was her rapist yeah who yeah and like you know um you have singers like Jojo who her whole career was tanked basically because she couldn't she had signed like a bad deal and couldn't get couldn't get out of it and she was trapped and 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 things like that and so the how this happens I think if you actually like get into the very nitty gritty details and contracts, I think it's kind of like boring logistical details kind of. Um, But at the same time, it seems like a pretty extremely common occurrence and not something that should be dealt with in any way other than like with your lawyers, with your very fancy, like top tier lawyers who can like do their everything they can to like, get it back. But telling your fans to like, tell Scooter what he, what you think is like, that's not it. Especially when he has kids, like, you know, it's just, you know, yeah. that's going to happen. You know, he's going to get death threats for a very
2: long time. Yeah. The rest of his life, the rest of his career, he he will be dealing with that. And like, regardless of how unsavory he might be. And I don't even think anything came out about him. That was truly as rotted as many of the people we talk about Mm -hmm. but like no matter what it's wrong to (laughs) encourage someone to be to like incite people to truly bully someone else she calls him a bully but what she did to him was more bullying than what he did to Uh, her
1: yeah like what justin bieber posting a photo that said what up taylor where he's facetiming with scooter like I think, I think like, my takeaway from all this research about Scooter is that he is a very shrewd business guy. He's an overbearing, like, stage mom, stage dad, whatever, to his artists, And he's not super faithful. He's really into, like, you know, getting secure in the bag. And that's his main focus. But, like, okay. I wouldn't expect anything otherwise from someone in that position.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, to have no,
1: like, abuse allegations
2: against him is
1: very impressive (laughs) and I know that's the thing that's (laughs) the thing The 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 lesson of every episode is the bars in hell for men but like truly like the fact that he pushed Justin Bieber to get out there too much and like didn't offer him therapy quickly enough like of all the yeah of all the rumors swirling around like not the best guy but who else is running these record labels probably not like people that you would want to be best friends with totally so yeah that's that's that on that. Yeah. I mean, that seems like a good note to end on. So that is the nature of Scooter Braun. That ends this whole chapter journey that we've been on of like Justin's like nebula, like Justin's like crazy web of like <laughs> religion and management, et cetera. Um, we're gonna get to some like fun topics in upcoming weeks. We wanna like bring it back up, keep it fun and fresh as always. Um that's it for today follow sammy on instagram at sammy whole thing follow me on the Instagrams. At it's become a whole thing and thank you so much for being here patrons you are just beautiful to us and you always will be and we love you um welcome samuel